I'm Cheryl State Bryson, mom, divorcee, health nut, and host of the Healthy Mom After Divorce podcast, where I help divorced moms get healthy, create financial stability, and develop emotional fortitude while they master co-parenting their kids. The place is here, and your time is now. So let's do this. Healthy Mamas, welcome to the 27th episode of the Healthy Mom After Divorce podcast. I am your host, Cheryl, and I am so glad you've taken the time to join me today. You can find the full transcript for this episode at healthymomafterdivorce.com slash 27. Today, I want to talk about something that a lot of people may not think about when it comes to high-conflict divorce and the associated post-separation abuse. On the last episode of this podcast, I talked about six types of abuse and how it shows up during your marriage and how it continues post-separation, often for years. It's such a common misconception that when someone leaves an abusive relationship, that the abuse stops, but it rarely does. And I'll link to that episode in the show notes in case you want to go back and listen. What I want to talk about today is post-separation abuse by a coercive controller and specifically its impact on moms at their workplace. Now, whether or not you recognize it as post-separation abuse, I am guessing many of you could give me examples of how your divorce impacted your ability to do your job. But as women who've been socialized to take up as little space as possible, we learn how to hide it, minimize it, and put on the face that we know our coworkers and bosses have come to expect. I think it's very important for not only us to recognize how this shows up in our own lives, but also for our coworkers, bosses, employees, anybody we work with to recognize it as well. Even if they aren't privy to specific details, I think companies and workplaces need to understand that when someone, specifically a mom at their workplace, is going through a divorce, they need to consider the possibility that this person is subject to post-separation abuse. Now, in my case, I had a very understanding boss. He gave me the freedom I needed when I needed it to pick up my kids early or go to court or run home for whatever reason. I felt comfortable sharing with him a bit of what I was going through, and he understood the impact it had on my job at times. But not everyone is this fortunate. There is an attitude much of the time that those hours you're at work are the company's hours. And to a certain extent, this is true. When you're at work, you're supposed to be doing the job you agreed to do when you were hired. The problem is an abuser can weaponize this to create havoc in their victim's life. This is a form of coercive control. Remember from that last episode, coercive control is the foundation of most domestic abuse. It's a pattern of manipulative behavior by an abuser towards their victim to maintain power and control over them, like through threats, intimidation, gaslighting, isolation, those sorts of things. Now, after separation, this abuser will often find alternate ways to negatively impact and control their co-parent's life when access in other areas has decreased. And financial abuse is a great way to do this. During a high-conflict divorce, having access to money is a huge advantage. 
everything from mom's ability to provide for her and her kids, to paying the rent or mortgage, to paying the legal bills, which, by the way, are often huge, to vehicle upkeep. The list goes on and on. And if she has a decreased access to money, she may be more likely to agree to the things her abuser wants, simply out of desperation. He can also twist her financial hardship, that he has a huge part in creating, by the way, into a reason why she's not fit to care for her children through the custody process. So how does an abuser control someone's access to money beyond limiting access to bank accounts? Well, impacting their ability to work is a really good place to start. And that's what I'm going to talk about. So similar to the last episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about how this might look within a marriage, and then I'll talk about how it might show up post-separation. So within a marriage, abusers can impact their victim's ability to work or keep their job in a lot of different ways. So ways like making them late for work by refusing to let them leave the house, maybe calling their place of work repeatedly throughout the day texting them all day at work, expecting immediate responses, requiring them to be at home at a certain time, impacting their victim's ability to stay as long as they're supposed to, or maybe even stay late if they need to, taking their paycheck or controlling where the money is spent, restricting their ability to take further education or accept promotions, maybe requiring them to do everything related to childcare, like pickups and drop-offs at school or daycare, maybe staying home with them when they're sick or taking pro-D days off work to look after the children. Now, post-separation can look similar in many ways, but there's also some differences. So post-separation, a coercive controller can constantly call or text when their victim's at work, especially with emergencies, quote-unquote, that they create maybe changing the parenting schedule last minute so the victim has to leave work early or go in late in order to accommodate. Perhaps through legal abuse, where the victim has to constantly be preparing and filing legal paperwork and attending court hearings. Maybe waiting outside the victim's place of work to engage them or scare and intimidate them. How about prohibiting the victim from placing the children in daycare? Now, this one might seem strange because you think, well, how can they prohibit this? Well, imagine this scenario. Mom puts the children in childcare so she can go to work. But before she gets back to pick them up, dad has already picked up the children, despite the fact that it's not his parenting time. So now mom has to get in contact with dad and attend his home or wherever they are to pick up the children, thus creating more interactions. And as we know, if dad is abusing mom, he wants more interactions. He wants access because this access creates more opportunity for conflict and further abuse towards her and the children. And as the victim of post-separation abuse, all of these things serve to distract and prevent you from what you're supposed to be doing at your job. A workplace that is not sensitive to this could start doling out reprimands and performance notices just from your decreased work quality and not putting in the hours you're supposed to. You may even be forced to decrease your working hours, which then decreases how much money you can make. 
And whether or not you're receiving support from or paying support to your abusive co-parent, a decrease in income can be devastating because not only are you taking home less, the support numbers were likely calculated on your previous higher income. I think it's really important to understand how post-separation financial and psychological abuse can permeate a victim's workplace and her ability to support her family. Now, I'm going to start with things that a victim can do to help empower herself during this time. So you, as the victim of post-separation abuse, need to be aware of what's happening and not pretend like it's not. I know there is so much shame around this. I get that. I felt it too. But trying to pretend like it's not an issue does not help you or your kids. If you can and feel comfortable, start by talking to your boss or HR manager or whoever needs to know that you're going through a difficult divorce. That's not to say you have to give a lot of details, but enough so that they get the picture about what's going on in your personal life. Then ask them about what flexibility could be afforded to you during this time. Could you be set up to work from home more of the time in case you have to be home with the kids or maybe leave work early or come in late? Could you work less hours when you have your kids and more when they're with your co-parent? Could you find a way to bank time that could be used for unexpected situations where you can't be at work? Could you have your phone call screened? If you have a protection order, give your company a copy so they can help enforce it. Maybe clip a picture of your abuser to it so they know who to look for in case they show up. You can also give the picture to the receptionist if you have one or to a security guard if your workplace has that. Anyone on the front line, basically. You may even be able to ask someone to walk you to your vehicle after work. Every workplace is a little different, but working with them to come up with some ways to mitigate the effect of the post-separation abuse will be better than just trying to juggle all the balls yourself, then dropping them over and over again because you have an abuser batting them out of the air. And I know this is hard. Talking about this sort of thing is the last thing any victim wants to do. But remember, an abuser's goal is to isolate you as much as possible. So try and find your village of trusted people to make you feel a little less alone. It will empower you and disempower them. Now, the second thing I want to talk about are the things that I'm hoping employers can start to do. And so this part of the episode is directed towards the people in the workplace who I'm hoping can learn to notice and be sensitive to someone struggling through post-separation abuse. Now, this can be really tricky because everyone is busy at work and has their own stuff going on. But whether or not the victim has actually come forward and expressed the difficulties they're having, workplaces need to play their part to support these people. The biggest issue is that when someone isn't doing their job like they used to, assumptions are quickly made around their work ethic or time management or commitment I think the workplace climate as a whole is shifting towards awareness around personal life struggles of their employees, but the understanding around post-separation abuse is still not where it needs to be. And what a victim needs in these cases is patience, flexibility, and understanding, not warnings, performance reviews, or worse, a pink slip. Ideally, the victim would come to you and let you know that they're struggling in their personal life but that won't always be the case. 
So here's a list of things that may be indicative of someone struggling with post-separation abuse, or really any domestic abuse. So being uncharacteristically absent or late from work. Or the opposite, working extra hours as a way to stay at work. A decrease in their job performance, like making more mistakes or not focusing. Uncharacteristic signs of fear, anxiety, isolation or depression. Asking to be able to leave early or come in late on a regular basis. Or maybe they're on their phone more than normal. The thing is, these changes in behaviors could be occurring for any number of reasons, not just post-separation abuse. There just seems to be a quicker acceptance by workplaces of things like a sick parent or child or ongoing medical issues or grieving a loss as explanations for these changes in behavior. If the reason given is, I'm going through a difficult divorce, I'm not sure the understanding is the same. With all that said, because I think that a lot more awareness around this needs to happen, I'm going to be working on something in the new year to help companies appreciate the impact of post-separation abuse on a mom and her ability to perform her duties at the workplace. At a minimum, workplaces need to offer patience and compassion while she makes her way through this. Even better, they could offer resources to assist. So because I'm working on something, I want to hear from you. I'm actually starting a listening tour. So I'm looking to talk to divorced moms who struggled or still struggle with post-separation abuse that impacted their job, their ability to work and or earn an income. So for anyone who's interested in participating, I'm asking for 30 minutes of your time over the phone to answer a few questions about post-separation abuse and the impact in the workplace. And in return, I will give you 30 minutes of my time to ask me whatever you like. So if you're interested in participating, please reach out to me at Cheryl, that's S-H-E-R-Y-L, at HealthyMomAfterDivorce.com so we can schedule a time to chat. Or you can always send me a DM on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn to connect with me. You got this, Mama. And remember, healthy moms raise healthy kids. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review. And if you like what you heard, share this episode with other mums. Don't forget to follow me on social media. And if you want to learn more about me and what else I have to offer, head over to HealthyMomAfterDivorce.com. I can't wait to connect with you.